Welcome back, ladies and gents, to another episode of the number one sports podcast in the world. I'm Connor, the host of Teen It Up with CNV, as always with my co-host, Vladdy. Vladdy, the weather's getting, the sun's going down a little sooner. We're getting closer to football season. We're getting closer to actual topic season. Uh, we're going to mention, it's actually an all-football podcast, but first we'll get to some personal stuff. How are you? How's your life been since we last talked? I've been great. Uh, I know we were all together this weekend with a bunch of friends from from Michigan State. Uh, you and I, as partners in the uh, the first annual or the second ever Spartan Invitational, we came away with a big, big, fat W. Um, I kind of got hard carried on the third day. I'm going to be honest. I know for, for those who are kind of listening in, we had our little format was 54 holes. Uh, the little team best ball on Thursday that filtered into Friday, team scramble on Saturday, and then kind of individual match play. Uh, I was good the first two days. I was god awful the last one, um, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, kind of being able to go up north for a while. It's always nice because I feel like I'm one of the people who's a little bit more of a slave to their phone. When I'm up there, it's just kind of you just throw it aside and you don't know what's going on. You don't have service. You don't care. So I had a great weekend. Yourself? Yeah, it was a great weekend. Uh, we just to let the people know, we absolutely dominated. We shot, you know, in a two man basketball, we shot seven, three over. Uh, in a scramble, we shot three under. Um, and then we, uh, well, I, I was good on the match play day. But uh, yeah, it, I don't know. It's it, We went on that trip last year with the smaller group. Um, and it was, uh, uh, I played horrible on that trip. So it was nice to play well on the trip this year uh, and take home the, the coveted Spartan Cup. Um, so I won't bore you with the details, but Vladdy and I played spectacular golf. Golf clap for us. Golf clap for us. Um, anyways, it's good to know that we're not only just podcast hosts, we're amazing golfers, too. We're so athletes. We're athletes. We're athletes. That's what we are. We, we preach what we praise here on the podcast. So... Um, Getting into it, kind of getting into some Lions news is we're going to kind of be ramping up here. I think we're three weeks away from or just over three weeks away from uh, that opening Thursday night game against the Chiefs. Just kind of hard to say that there's only, what, 23 more days until NFL football. That's crazy. Um, but uh, the Lions big splash this week in terms of news. No uh, punching uh, of help people with helmets on. Instead, it's signing Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I actually didn't see the deal. Do you have the numbers in front of you for the deal? No, I don't really care because I'm going to assume it's a one-year contract with salary yeah. cap that doesn't affect us in the long term because we obviously have it right now. Um, yep. I love it. Uh, Touchdown Teddy is one of the kind of the premier backup quarterbacks in football. Yep. Um, in an ideal world, he never steps on the field. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, he is there as an insurance policy in an ideal world. In a less than ideal world, if Jared Goff goes down for a couple weeks or, God forbid, it's the end of the season or, or for the season, your season's not done. Teddy Bridgewater is more than capable of kind of treading water and floating, I don't say floating, but kind of carrying your team along. He's not a game, he's not a game winner. He might not even be a game manager, but he's not Nate Sudfeld. He's not David Blau. He's not whatever other garbage the Lions trotted out at backup QB for the last 12 years, but while in the Matthew Stafford years and then the first couple years of golf, it is a real backup quarterback, which is something the Lions have never had. It is a, it is a incredibly uh, 
important thing to have signed the San Francisco 49ers playing their running back at quarterback after their guys died. I, I love it. Yeah, I think the only consign, I think the only down argument to this is that he's an expensive um, addition in that, you know, could that be used for other parts of the roster maybe? Um, I think that's a little nitpicky of a complaint considering the cap in football is $200 million. Uh, it's not like we're playing in the NHL where I th- I, 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 I'd assume that Teddy's getting her somewhere around the four to six range, which is um, among the top highest to pay a backup quarterback more than four is pretty rare. Only a couple of guys get that. Uh, and it matches kind of, I mean, you got the, I think there was also some hesitation to, uh, you drafted a backup quarterback essentially in Hendon Hooker, but you didn't for the 2023. Uh, you drafted someone who has to go through all the rehab uh, of a torn ACL and is nowhere close to even putting on a helmet. Um, so as far as a one-year fix, it's a great move. It's a, it's a winning move in my opinion, because yep. like you said, you're not done if Garrett, Jared Goff is now, do I think you saw the dolphins when Tua was out for an extended amount of time, he did kind of, he didn't keep him out of the playoffs, but he didn't put him in the playoffs. Now I do think if you, if we're looking at Jared Goff out for five, six, seven, eight weeks, um, this is probably not a playoff team, even with Teddy Bridgewater, in my opinion. Um, but you get there when you get there. Uh, as far as someone, a playoff team is someone who needs to survive kind of obstacles, and that would be uh, Jared Goff, you know, missing one or two weeks, and you need a guy that can come in and win you games, which another thing you mentioned is great. The Lions really haven't had. Uh, I, the best backup I can even remember is Chase Daniel in recent years. Yep. And he, I mean, was an average backup at best, and that's an average backup. So yeah. The one thing uh, I... I was going to say, I, I'm glad you mentioned Hendon Hooker because I know this isn't the show to do it, but I still do not understand and I still do not like the pick. I hate taking quarterbacks after the beginning of the first round. I think it's kind of a donation of a draft pick and especially a draft pick where in the in the early third round, you're still getting difference makers. And I think that this I think the football team probably threw away the chance of getting one more difference maker that can play ready minutes this season so i'm a little disappointed again it's not the it's not the episode to do that we did that all the we did that in april we did it in may it's just it's a little unfortunate yeah it's just a that was just a friendly reminder of probably the one f up of uh brad holmes's draft i think although we could argue jameer gibbs at what was what was it 12 12 yeah uh, anyway, we went through our draft picks. Uh, as far as line stuff, I feel like there's other stuff we're missing. Uh, anything? I mean, in terms of stuff that's not really news, is Jameson Williams is going to get a lot of action in the preseason. He has to. He hasn't played football yeah. in two years. Um, I'm sorry. I keep getting uh, this. Better be God. I, I, for, someone has called me four times in a row. I'm sorry. I got my my, my train of thought was completely no. outside. But yeah, outside right. of Jameson Williams, I really don't know. I don't think there's much. It's kind of a steady team. It's a kind of a very complete roster. You get the backup quarterback now. Maybe you could use a little bit more offensive and defensive line help. But that, that again, that's kind of where you said you're you're nitpicking. You, you you'll figure that out as you go. If you need one, there, I'm sure there's some. I'm not going to say premier because if you were a premier player, you'd be on a roster right now. But there's some good edge rushers that are probably sitting in free agency, like a Jadavian Clowney, a Yannick Ngakwe, 
We'll burn that bridge when we cross it, though. Hopefully, we don't have to cross it. Uh, some other NFL news before we get into kind of college football, which we'll spend primarily our time on today. Uh, Zeke Elliott, this is kind of the time of year with those veterans that kind of waited out and don't have to go through most of the camp and end up getting their one-year deals. Uh, do you want to hear the three teams that he's been linked to? I've, I think I've heard the Patriots. The Patriots, the Ravens, and the and, Cowboys. Yep, I'm, I'm not shocked about the Cowboys. Jerry Jones is a lunatic when it comes to Zeke. What – I – I got, I understood it from Jerry's perspective when you had paid him the big running back money, but you cut him, he's gone, move on. Like, where is this rationale coming from? It's just like cowboy rationale. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't understand it. Um, to be honest, even when you had him with the money, Tony Pollard was a better player. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess maybe you don't want to eat the dead cap hit if there was one, so you don't cut him, if, and but – they already yeah. did, though. Yeah, no, I'm talking about at the time, maybe they wanted to keep him there because they didn't want to eat a dead cap hit because, I mean, the, the Cowboys were usually one of those teams with a lot of high-paid players, and they probably didn't have the the space to be able to say, you know what, we're just going to pay – we're going we're gonna to pay money according to the salary cap to roster no one. So right. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I was well-versed in that situation, but it was outrageous. You're right. He was getting paid big bucks. He was a shell of the guy that he was on his rookie contract. And he was taking important touches away from Tony Pollard that maybe could have cost the the Cowboys games. So I'm not necessarily shocked with that one. Um, the Ravens, that's interesting because they have a million running backs and they keep bringing in more and more. And then the Patriots doesn't really surprise me either because Bill Belichick's weird. Yeah, they and they've been linked to, I kind of feel like, every somewhat big running back name the Patriots have been kind of linked to this yeah. offseason. Uh, speaking of Tony Pollard, this has very little to do with production, uh, the production of the show. But did you see the trade I sent you in another league that I was sent today? Dude, that's that's somebody who's on that. That's a cocaine. Like, so I sent it to the commissioner after and was like, just so the podcasters are aware, in a dynasty league, I was sent. I got DK Metcalf um, and Jonathan Taylor, as well as the fifth pick in this year's rookie draft and a first round next year. And I gave up Michael Thomas, what's left of the ghost of Michael Thomas, <laughs> and one year at Tony Pollard probably before Jerry Jones goes back to Zeke, and 2.08, and then a second round in next year's draft. Um, it was literally four worse things for four better things. Like I just couldn't I, think of – the rationale I think was I think the guy is terrified that Taylor's never going to like play another snap again. Like even then, I probably would have done that deal. Michael Thomas and Pollard, like for Metcalf oh, and the two picks. Oh, absolutely. So that's that's outrageous, but that's funny. Um, sorry, I just the uh, side topic that I thought some of the uh, people, well, people, most people listening would have found entertainment or gotten some cackle out of that that deal. Speaking speaking of Jonathan Taylor, do you see what uh what happened to Kareem Hunt today? No. So he was supposedly signing with the Saints, and now he's going to take a visit with the Colts. And I believe that the Colts made oh him a larger money offer than the Saints before even working him out, which to me screams Jim Isray is trying to tell Jonathan Taylor to go fuck himself, yeah. which is hilarious because you're taking on a, the dead body. I mean, maybe it's not a dead body because Kareem Hunt hasn't really been a regular starter for a while. But to sit there and actively not pay Jonathan Taylor 
and then go look for Kareem Hunt as a way of trying to stick it to him. If I, if I was a Colts player, I first thing I'm doing is calling my agent saying, I want out of here. I want yeah, nothing. This, yeah, this owner is a lunatic. I'm watching him screw over one of my brothers. I want off this football team. Not only that, but like that starts a trend of just like genuine collusion of an owner trying to loot. Like, we have an owner who's actively spiting players at the cost of like the integrity of like having better players that he can't afford. Like, where does that stop? Like, yeah, I'm just gonna just, I'm just not gonna take Mahomes. I'm gonna have play freaking like Chase Daniel next year. Sorry, his name's gotten mentioned twice in this podcast, (laughs) but I purposely play Chase Daniel less so I never win a game because I I don't like the way Mahomes talks like a frog. Yeah, I I think it's outrageous. Um, Jim Israel is very lucky that he battled substance abuse issues and has openly apologized for it because if he if he hadn't or if he if there wasn't a oh my god he's on a better human redemption arc I think he would be up there with kind of the the Dan Snyders of the world who like the the owners Mm. are actively trying to get rid of him but because he apologized and I know I know in this day and age forgiveness is kind of rare but still massive you're supposed to forgive everyone it's outrageous I I think Jim Israel has absolutely no business owning an NFL team but I'm not. I'm not Roger Goodell. I'm not one of the other 31 owners, so I can't do anything about it. Yeah, I mean, you think he's like? I mean, I don't. I wouldn't say he pushed Peyton Manning away, but oh, he that did. relationship is soured. Andrew he, Luck retired early. I mean, he franchise tagged Manning twice. Manning openly refuses to talk about the Colts and only wants his Denver days mentioned. Yep. I mean, he uh, terrible guy, but not shocking from someone who never founded anything. He inherited it when daddy died so yeah that's that's too much uh, that's too much nfl we got to get to the main topic um the death of or the official death of one of the uh, five, of one of the five major conferences that we grew up with formerly the pack 10 then the pack 12 now the pack four so is it like yeah the pack four is a crazy way to say it. So I'll officially get it off. Uh, since we last talked, I don't even think Colorado had left for the Big 12 since the last time we talked. I think that was the first chip to fall. Or maybe we didn't even mention it. I've, I'm I'm going to be honest. I think they were in discussions that hadn't officially happened, but it was one of those quick ones where they they, they talked about it and within, and within hours. It was, you know, we're going back to the Big 12. Yeah, so Colorado starts. Uh, they're going back to the Big 12. Uh, and then later in the week, probably the biggest news was Oregon and Washington are going to go head to the Big Ten. They're going to make teams 17 and 18 in the Big Ten. Uh, let, let me let me let me clarify that again. They will be teams 17 and 18 in a conference called the Big Ten. Yeah, I and mean, then oh, I was going to continue with Arizona, Arizona keep, State. Keep going. And, what? Keep going. Oh, you! I I forgot the other teams now. You you. You've, I'm sorry. Lost. Air, yeah, it's Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. Utah joined the Big Twelve yep. following the Cincinnati, BYU, Houston, and UCF uh, migration last year. Yep. Um, that get I believe that gives the big. That might give the Big Twelve. What twenty teams? No, it gives them eighteen teams as well. I believe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then in smaller news, it just kind of crossed my needle. 
the ACC flexing their muscles, adding SMU. Oh, I didn't even see that. <laughs> yeah, that just I just saw that like an hour ago. Oh, good for them. I mean, so I, I kind of want to get into the maybe what happens next later. I'm just going to kind of say you, you leave Cal, Stanford, Oregon State, and Wazoo in, in the Pac-4. Um, it's interesting. Uh, I'm assuming that Washington State and Oregon State are going to kind of fade into the Mountain West Conference. I've seen discussions that Cal and Stanford are talking with the ACC about potentially joining. Um, that's, I mean, it is what it is that, that we're not going to sit here and talk about geography and regions and it's gone and classic rivalries because that that's dead. Um, it's interesting. I'm, I'm I'm kind of impressed at how the Big 12 stayed alive. I think a lot of people yeah. thought that maybe they would be the first ones to die when Texas and Oklahoma were poached. But then I think what ended up happening is them getting their star programs taken first gave them more time to think about a plan. And they were the first ones that were able to react and they went after the American Conference. They took four of those guys and now they're taking obviously some of the Pac-12 after they realized that that Pac-12 is dead. And so I guess kudos to the Big 12 for staying alive. Um, I They stayed I, alive, but they're still on life. Like they're as far as their reputation and like their, I guess, the scope of where they're at now in college football, they're on life support. Yeah, I actually don't think they are on life support. I just think that they were never going to be able to compete with the top two. And so you're just like, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily call it life support. I just think they've kind of, made themselves the best of the rest it'll be like you are heading for a power two let's be real right. because the big Ten's not going to stop at 18 that's a stupid number and the sec is not going to sit at 16 watching the big 10 expand to 18 and not yeah. countering so i expect the sec now i don't know how this is going to work because i know the acc had some crazy grant of media rights agreement that ties up uh the each school's uh rights until like 2030 or 2040 or some obscene number like that but i i'm i would expect the the sec to make a move for clemson miami and florida state or yep. some combination of those two depending on where they view that money because the sec would probably have to help subsidize the 50 60 or however many millions dollars it would cost to buy them buy those schools out of the acc and in, into them so I think that you'll have to find some healthy medium there where maybe you take Florida State and Clemson and you just tell Miami, you know what, you're a has-been. You guys lost You guys lost that allure from 20 years ago. Goodbye. And you kind of let them stay in the ACC. But I think you're going to see the Big Ten and the SEC get up to about 24 teams. They'll have those two 24-team conferences. You're going to have the Power Two. The ACC and the Big 12 are going to be your group of two. And I guess maybe they fall or they fade into your group of seven at that point. It's just. It's, it's NFL football with with like minor leagues now at the Big 12. That's that's why I say the Big 12 scope. They did the they were a team that sent a playoff team every year. And now they're going to be basically the Wednesday night Mac game. This is the Big 12, you say? The Big 12. Yeah. Because there's going to be so many decent, at least decent Big Ten, Big Ten, SEC, SEC matchups every weekend that we're not going to ever see these Big 12 games. This is down the line. This isn't next year. Yeah. This isn't the year after. This is five, six years from now. Yeah, and but. the other thing that I could see um, 
is maybe those two schools just kind of break away or those two conferences just kind of break away and form their own college football and they just leave the NCAA behind. Um, that honestly, it's probably for the best. That might be the one thing I yeah. that I actually like coming out of this this constant development is the fact that the NCAA is just sitting there, and every day that goes by, people maybe realize how outdated that organization is and how right. needed they are. So, I guess maybe that'll be the one good thing that comes out of all this is some new entity comes to govern football at the collegiate level. And the NCAA ceases to exist. Um, I don't know. It's it's interesting. I I, I did kind of want to say um, how this even happened to the Pac-12. I was kind of doing some digging. Um, the Pac-12 when they lost uh, the Pac-12 never really pursued a TV deal, mm-hmm. which was interesting when I was reading about this. This is this cycle because there's a previous cycle that I, could, that I also talk about. But they kind of pursued a subscription-based deal with Apple TV where teams would be guaranteed $25 million. And then with X amount of subscriptions sold, you would watch those payouts grow and grow. Mm. And I think right away that caused a massive turnoff for your kind of Oregon and Washingtons or your kind of bigger programs who are looking for stability because – $25 $25 million guaranteed, I'm pretty sure doesn't even put you what the Big Ten just was at. Forget about right. what the Big Ten's about to be at per school. So that was, I think that was a very weird way of going about it from the new commissioner. Um, it doesn't help that the people on the West Coast do not care about football. No. So that how many, how many subscriptions are you realistically going to sell? Um not to mention the Pac-12, they they play a lot of their games after everyone else goes to sleep. Yep. So never there was never a lot of interest there. I love Pac-12 after dark, but I'm a lunatic. I am not the everyday football fan or everyday sports fan. So yeah. that you were y- always kind of battling uphill. Um, I know there's been a lot of people talking about, oh, who killed the who killed the Pac-12? The Pac-12 killed the Pac-12. Yeah. It wasn't USC and UCLA leaving last year. It wasn't Oregon and Washington leaving this year. It was the Pac-12 killing the Pac-12, and they made two boneheaded decisions with some media deals. Yeah, I did see a lot of the, the TV thing. It just makes me, like, I, I kind of want to get a, your opinion on this. like, Because it does seem like it comes down to kind of the lack of pursuit of a good TV deal. Do you think that's just an incompetence on who's running the Pac-12 at the time and not being able to seek out the deal or be able to negotiate a deal that would keep them even relevant, even if it's just, you know, safe face with what the ACC and the Big 12 are right now? Or do you think it's just straight up kind of the external factors that you mentioned and that they play on the West Coast? There's not a lot of markets on the West Coast. Their Eastern market is severely hindered by the time of day that they play most of their games. Which one do you think weighs more? Well, I, I think the external factors played a role in the not getting a TV deal. I think, um, I think that what maybe when the commissioner went to the TV networks, whether it be Fox, ESPN, CBS, whatever it might be, they probably gave him numbers that he or the rest of the presidents or whoever votes for this stuff, I don't know if it's athletic directors or schools as a whole, they probably weren't happy with it. And so maybe that's where they started pursuing some other things. And I think the other thing was lack of maybe urgency. Um, Right. I don't want to fully count this um, incompetence because 
no one's ever really dealt with a situation like this before um where you're kind of seeing the full cannibalization of sport of the, of a sport like we've watched conference realignments before but that was 15 years ago before the money was really into athletics and tv right. and networks got to make do whatever but, but they we wanted. have though we have though we we just watched a saudi-backed investment group buy a sport this really isn't that different this is this is big business buying a sport yeah but that that happened two months ago we're talking about the last maybe two years so you're saying in general i'm saying it, like oh we just saw this, this yeah this is i guess I, i'm just saying that like whatever whoever i think i think his last name is sankey i whatever the commissioner is right now I think that maybe he saw Texas and Oklahoma get poached from the Big 12, and maybe he thought, oh, you know what? My conference is safe for now. I'm not going to be urgent to lock up some legally binding contract. Right. And that's where I think maybe it started going less favorably for him, and he turned to Apple and said, you know what? We can get some subscriptions. And that's where I think the rest of the school started saying, well, hey, hold on a second here. I'm not signing up for little guaranteed money. I'm not going right, door USC. to door. Yeah, I'm not going door to door. I, I think this is a, this might even been after USC and UCLA, but I'm not going door to door around the residents of my state asking them to buy a subscription so that my my guaranteed payout can go from 25 million to 40 million. They're, they're never yeah. going to do that. So, some interesting things. I think the next thing I kind of wanted to get to on this is how it looks for the Big Ten as far as like scheduling goes formatting goes and kind of travel and how that's going to work um my first thought is and this is nine this is proved where the money is the money is everything now we get more and more capitalistic by the day and everything we do um 99 of this is football and i understand that but i still i actually think the washington and oregon was made set makes sense now because it gives it, it, it kind of starts your alignment of the division for the Big Ten, so to speak, with having four West Coast teams amongst the two. I, I'm actually really glad you brought up scheduling issues, concerns, what's going to happen. Because I think uh, this, I, I, I think I had an interesting point. This is kind of where my solution to this whole issue is. I'll get to that later. But yeah, I think you're right. The, getting those extra schools out West does help you form a not going to call it a pod because it looks like that's not what's going to happen, but it does help you start form divisions an East big 10 and a West big 10. I don't know where you're going to draw this line because you're not even done expanding yet. So I don't think they know where they're going to draw the line, yet. but I think that's what you do. Um, Like you say, this does help in the sense that you're not going to be dragging teams back and forth, back and forth. You can kind of say, you know what, Michigan state football, You've got a two-week road stretch. You're going to play at Washington and then at UCLA, and then you can come back east. And then maybe the yeah. same would be for the Western schools. Hey, Washington, go play Maryland, go play Penn State, and then come home after two weeks. I think this definitely helps you in that regard. Um, the one thing I will say is I don't think the scheduling conference is fully an issue for football because football no. is a little bit more structured. You play every Saturday. You know that. You know when you play, everyone has the same schedule. And because that's where the money is, I think the, uh, those teams maybe can travel in more luxurious ways, whether it be first class or just a straight-up chartered flight. I, I don't fully believe that this is an issue. I think the big issues arise when you start talking about the the non-money sports mm-hmm. and the sports where you're not all on a uniform schedule. Like 
specifically basketball. Basketball. Where if I'm if I'm college X and I play twice a week or twice this week, and you're college Y, you only play once. But we yeah. got to meet each other. But my co- my one game before I met you was two days ago on the other side of the country. That's where I think you start running into some issues. So, but I think part of the problem though is that you're right. Like that basketball was made so individualistic when realistically it did not have to be so. It didn't have to be so individualistic, if you know what I mean. Like we could have had everyone just plays Tuesdays and Fridays, and you play no, one. I see, I see what you're game. saying. Yeah, uh, they yeah they definitely could have done something like that. Because um, now you have to. Yeah, I mean they do still have some structure. Like I think the Big Ten will play like Tuesday Thursdays, and sometimes you might get an off Thursday. I don't I don't really I'm not going to say it for like I know that off the top of my head, but I feel like there's some structure to it. It's not just. The, the the commissioner starts throwing darts and says Michigan Michigan State on Thursday and then they'll right. play Wednesday again. I think there is some idea, but it, it'll be tough. Um, and that's for basketball. Forget about when we start getting to the the fully non revenue right. sports. I mean, how's baseball traveling across the country? How's tennis? How is Maryland getting to Washington? How's because like those? I mean, those are I'm assuming those are programs that at this level might be traveling by bus around the Midwest, depending on how low revenue you quote unquote are. How are you doing that? So this is where some ideas I've thrown, I've seen thrown around quickly before. I don't know what you kind of get into your solution is what those sports are going to basically have to do is do like mini tournaments every weekend and that you play, you get like a Penn state, Maryland and Rutgers have to go out and play uh ucla usc and they play thursday friday everybody plays everybody thursday friday saturday sunday like that's how it's basically gonna have to be in those sports that's interesting because i know that's kind of like how i I grew up kind of like playing some of my soccer uh for like the the midwest regional league you kind of have like pods where one weekend one team would host all the teams would show up there you play two or three games that's an interesting way the one thing i saw which i actually think this is a pretty good idea um is we all know that this is only being done for football nobody mm-hmm. cares what i mean even for basketball nobody cares about oregon in the basket in the basketball no. world they care about oregon football washington i couldn't even tell you the last time i've seen like the washington logo on a basketball court i think i watched isaiah thomas with a buzzer beater with gus johnson on the call but that was 2010 uh, yeah. <laughs> um i would say the the I'm going to say easy because I don't know how this becomes legal, but make this only for football. Oregon basketball is not in the Big Ten. Oregon baseball is not in the Big Ten. Only yeah. the football teams. Break football. I, I said this a little earlier. Break football away from everything else. Yeah. Break it all away from everything else. You like you've turned it into kind of a like you say a mini NFL. Break it away. That, that give me a chill because that is the final step in saying this is not an NCAA. This is not college athletics anymore. That is the nail in the coffin. That argument is completely 100% gone. They are in their own conferences, doing their own things, making their own money on their own TV deals. And really the only affiliation with the school is that they wear the same logo. Yep. No, and now now I don't know how this would work. Are you still subsidizing every other sport through that, considering you've broken football? I don't know how that legally would work. 
I don't know if it can legally work if Oregon is collecting Big Ten football money but is playing in the Pac-12. I don't know how this stuff works. Maybe you just say, you know what, schools that have football programs, congratulations, they'll fund everything else for you. But I just think that I I think that's outrageous. Um, I was listening. This is kind of becoming a problem in soccer right now where they're they're creating more and more and more games and longer games and more competitions. And um, you recently had a player, Rafael Veron, and then actually the Man City football coach, uh, Man City coach, Pep Guardiola, both came, out, both came out and said, look, you guys keep making these decisions. Nobody asks the players. Nobody asks the coaches how they feel. Nobody says, hey, look, if you want us to continue performing at the highest level physically possible, you can't make us do this. And kind of bringing this to what college is about to experience is, I don't know if athletes can perform at the highest physical level if you're flying them around the country left, right, and center. I mean, at what point are you a student athlete versus just an athlete? Right. And it, and, it, and it's that's, that's another thing that comes into these arguments of having to do pods is that you do – especially in the non-football, if you have to worry about class schedules at least a little bit for the baseball team and, and the women's soccer team, like you have to worry about classes a little bit that you can't just have these kids on a plane six days a week making zero money for the school. Yeah, um, I think uh, the next five to ten years where the dust settles for what's going to happen here is going to be incredibly interesting. I think when it does settle, we are going to be looking at a sport that we no longer recognize, at least yeah. not in the way that it was. It's yeah. not going to be what we grew up with. It's not going to be what we fell in love with. It's going to be football for kids wearing the uniforms and logos of universities. It's not going to be college football. Yeah, and it, an interesting thing I heard someone say, and I kind of agree with this at this point, is – like, we know where this is going when the dust settles, what this is going to look like. Like, I just want to get to that point because this is just like a sad and slow I agree. demise. Just like, let's get there. I'll eventually be okay with it. Let's just get there. And let's not do this crap where we just move around and every five years we lose the conference until it's the AFC and the NFC, the Big Ten and the SEC. And it's essentially minor league football at yep. that point. I, I agree. Um, I think like we, we've talked about it. I think you need to hurry up, get Notre Dame into the Big Ten, go get uh, the three southern Southern schools I was mentioning earlier into the SEC. So Notre Dame doesn't want to, which I still don't get it because well, their NBC because, deal well, is not that good. No, so their NBC deal isn't good. The other thing is they've always said as long as we have a path to the title, which is the playoff, they are, they're never going to join a conference. And this is where the Big Ten and the SEC can force their hand. We're breaking yep. away from college football. You will not play our schools unless you join. Do you, now, do you want to go play the Stanfords and the NC States of the world for the rest of your life for a national championship you can't even be a part of because you're not there? Yeah. No, just strong arm them. Tell them, guess what, buddy? This is going to happen. Now, your options are. You are going to fold your football program and maybe your university because you're going to be left with no money and None. nobody to play against. Or as much as you might hate it, you're going to join the Big Ten and you're going to get back to getting slapped around by Michigan and Michigan State every year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
But if there's one school that will define oh, that do it. logic. No, they, they're going to be so defined about it. We're the Golden Domers. We have alumni in L.A. They're going to be yeah. terrible. Yeah, it's, it's too bad Kevin Warren left just when you needed them. He was a Notre Dame grad. Um, I mean, Kevin, I, which, I mean, it might be a good thing Kevin Warren left because it seems like he did a lot of uh, stupid promises behind a lot of people's backs, not telling anyone what he was doing. And that's right. why Michigan State's playing at Ford Field on a Friday night. Yeah, and then that's kind of – Michigan State brings it up another – kind of the last thing on this that I wanted to get into is what happens to rivalries. I think you'll still be able to protect some. Um, but it's so tricky, and the part that really irks me with the giant conferences is that they're just – it's going to be like the NFL. They're not really – they're just divisions. They're not re- you don't play in everyone in your fucking conference anymore. Yeah. You don't play anyone in your conference every two or three years now. If you have 2014 and you're only going to play a nine, whatever it is, a nine conference schedule, or it'll probably be 10 eventually. But no, I, I, I completely agree with that. And that's where maybe you start looking at expanding the schedule and turning it into a mini NFL. You know, maybe. If, but if then that gonna... goes that goes into the, the the argument you just made with the player. Like, are you like uh, at a certain point, the players are going to be able to say enough is enough and you're not going to be able yeah, to play them? I, I don't know. Um, again, it is a incredibly blender situation where so much is still up in the air. And honestly, you might not have even gotten to the worst of it yet, because right now you might just be picking sides. You're not even going to figure out what comes next. So I think it's. It's incredibly sad. I know going back maybe two, three years ago before the Texas and Oklahoma bombshell came through and maybe, I guess maybe even pre-COVID, but while it was still just like, oh, the four-team playoff, I was always an avid defender of keeping it four teams because I thought you devalued the regular season. I mean, speak of devaluing the regular season, you're heading for a 16-team playoff, but um, I look back at it. If somebody would have told me that in 2017 or 18 or 19, you're going to expand the playoff to eight teams and each conference is going to get a guaranteed champion in and then you're going to start playing at-large bids. If you told me adding that would have kept the conferences together, or I guess separate, I guess I don't know what the proper word is anymore, I would have been okay with it. If you told me this is what's coming into the future four years from now, yeah, here are your, here are your two options, I'm taking the 18 playoff all the way. Yeah, I was. I'm not a... I've kind of this has kind of made me turn back into the, the games need to need more side. I definitely wasn't that side, but now that we've gone to this extreme of just making it just the the NFL NFL's baby by not having any rivalries by making these twenty four team two conferences essentially that you've not only just devalued you ruined the value of any free of any game of any rivalry of any night game. And I, I, I don't know. Now that I see how bad it's got, how quickly it got bad, I'm hesitant uh, of the take I used to have on that. So, yeah, um, it's it, it, it is disappointing because for me, I was always the college football guy over the NFL guy. I loved the the passion. I loved the kind of the uniqueness. Like you said, you mentioned the rivalries. You mentioned the weird trophies that people are playing for. You mentioned the the passionate crowds because everyone is a, is an alumni as opposed to someone just magically living in a city that has a team. I, I, I was always college guy and 
I'm gonna, I don't want to sit here and see him curious to see what happens. I think I know what happens. I think you're going to lose a little bit of this passion. Like you say, how many rivalries can you protect? Because if Michigan is protecting Ohio State, which we know they will be, if there is protected rivalries, can Michigan State protect Michigan? Is Michigan oh. allowed to have two protected rivalries? Are they going to give us Penn State and say, yeah, hey, go have fun with James Franklin's lunatic ass? It's Are they going to give us Notre Dame? I don't know. Or is there's Notre Dame going to go to USC? So that's that's where they might try to fake keep rivalries in the sports and maybe lie to people. Oh, look, we're still true to our roots. But it's it's sad. Yeah, it's sad and it's uh, it's just weird to happen so fast. I guess I guess is my thing, and it's still happening to this day. Like it's going to continue to just get worse. So, yeah. Um, I mean, at this point, I don't really have too much more. Um, this is is entertaining as this discussion was. I almost feel sad right now. <laughs> yeah, it's just a weird. Uh, you said I think you made a good point of like the NFL, like kind of the uniqueness of college football, and it made me kind of think of like how, like what a lot. It can't just be money because you know money goes where there's a demand for money. So clearly, there's somewhere there's a demand for this. Do you think it's because the average fans really deep down doesn't care about that kind, this kind of stuff that like we're kind of reminiscing over on a podcast? podcasts like this do you think it's like that we're just so brainwashed into more and more and more that we don't even realize it's happening like what where where was this allowed i mean i just think it, it was football it was football it was the it was college i mean it was athletics but i mean the other thing is i mean the, the tv deals most of that money it doesn't come from ticket revenue it comes from people watching at home and the commercials at home and that massive thing where we might not even have control over. So yeah. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like there was an exact situation where this all went tits up and college football died, but I don't know. It hasn't died yet. Michigan State's got one more year of going five and seven. No, no, we're going eight and four. We're going eight and four. I'm not sure I'm even that much more excited. Why do I want to watch this go play in the freaking – Fiesta Bowl PlayStation Mini Classic in oh, New Orleans. We'd be so we'd be so lucky to get a Fiesta Bowl out of no. I, that's why I I realized I said a BCS Bowl and I tried to like make it into something it wasn't. Now nah, we're we're gonna play in the uh, we're gonna play in the Outback Bowl. The Outback Bowl, the Cheez It Bowl. Oh, dude, the Cheez It Bowl is nice. I think they got a Pop Tart Bowl these days. They have a Pop Tart Bowl. They might a bar stool bowl. I feel like they had freaking Max schools in it. They'll have Michigan State in it this year. Yeah, this is, I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm going to sign off. Uh, I'll give you the last words. For me, as always, go green. But rest in peace, college football. Mm-hmm.